Hey, Saucy But Sweet fam, we are back from our mid-season break. Thanks so much for sticking with us. It is definitely worth it. As you know, I love to talk about all things society, culture, and love. And today, we are technically getting into all of that. What many people are talking about right now is Chris Rock's new Netflix special, which I cannot wait to watch, and how he goes ham on Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith, a couple that the media is super obsessed with. Will Smith slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars last year after the comedian made a joke about Will's longtime love, Jada. Now, while some of us may have seen the action as an act of love for his wife, the rest of us condemned him because, well, do I even need to say it? Violence is never okay, whether it's out of love or hate. It's clear that Chris Rock has a lot to say about the situation, and from what I heard so far, he definitely did not hold back. He even talks about woke culture, and if you remember an episode from season one where I talked about comedy and wokeness, you know I have a lot to say about that as well. Now, if you're like me and intrigued by comedy, wokeness, and Chris Rock finally having his say, stick with us. You are now listening to Saucy But Sweet with Allie McPherson, a podcast where nothing is off limits where we talk about everything from romance, sex, pop culture, and everything in between. Sit back, relax, and enjoy an unfiltered time where we keep it sweet and always saucy. I am so excited to have Fifi Frimpong and Kirk Kohol joining us today. Now, this is a Kodak moment right here. Two friends of the podcast who have not been on in quite a while uh, joining me to talk about comedy and wokeness. Now, look at that. You know, Fifi, you were on about a year ago where we talked about Meg Thee Stallion and Tory Lanez. And Kirk, you were on our first episode ever, Love is a Gamble. So can you both reintroduce yourselves and tell us what you've got going on for those who don't know, remember, or um, any updates or anything you want to mention? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, I've switched jobs from the last time. I think I was unemployed back then, but now I'm a sports editor at the Daily News, so things have been going well with that. So it's pretty good. Woo! That's that's dope. That is dope. Congrats. I didn't even, I didn't even dope, know you were dope. doing that. Yeah, yeah that's great. appreciate it. Hey everybody, I'm Kirk. Uh, I'm currently an associate producer at Good Morning America. Woo! Working the night shift, the graveyard shift is, is real rough, but I'm grateful to be able to tell stories on that platform and just have my hand in a lot of what you see on TV in the morning. So, yep, that's me. All right, excuse me. Look at y'all. Okay, okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all we're all J School alum as well. So this is shout Newmark out to J-School. Newmark J School alums. Yep. Damn, we didn't wear the shirt. We should have uh, worn the shirt. <laughs> we should have. We should have all put the shirt on. Dang, yeah, we should have. I should have coordinated that. Um, next time, next time. But yeah, shout out to Newmark J School. Shout out to my journalism folks out there. It's not an easy industry to navigate. So all y'all out here doing the damn thing. Congrats to you. Applause. Listen. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's not easy at all. Not it's easy. It's rough. It's out rough. Here for <laughs> There's so many different like levels of like roughness for a journal for a journalist in so many different stages like it's it's crazy i don't even think people outside the industry understand i don't think they, they do. don't 
Like you gotta you gotta go through the schooling and then the job search and everything to really understand like the kind of mess we gotta go through sometimes. Yep, yep. On different levels, like you could be a print journalist, you could be a broadcast journalist. But I'm behind the scenes, so I see the the struggle behind the scenes getting everything ready. So it's it's crazy. Yeah. We can talk about this all day. <laughs> really, I, I, I mean, honestly, at this point, I might as well do an episode on journalism and the industry and how tough it is, and especially being black in the journal. Like, I, I, I think I did an episode like that actually during the pandemic. At some point, I did, but I can revisit that because it ain't easy, y'all. To my listeners yeah. listening, if you were in the same position as us, mm, praying for you. <laughs> we praying it's for you. Out here. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you know, back in twenty twenty. I did an episode with um, Trone Dowd, who's now at Vice. Shout out to Trone, another new Mark J. School alum. Hey. Hey. Um, the episode was called Bad Men Don't Cry. You know, we talked about wokeness and comedy, and we both actually, we had a great conversation, even though we both kind of have very d- different opinions and perspectives on comedy and wokeness. And everyone who knows me knows that I have a lot to say about this. You know, so first off, I want to start by asking. Who is your favorite comedian right now and why? And if they were, you know, to be clean or more woke, would they still be your favorite comedian? So that's my first question. And then I'll get into who my favorite comedian is. <laughs> well, I love, I don't know if y'all know, not Carlton Banks on Instagram. He basically makes, um, he, I would consider him a comedian. He makes videos like parodying the black church experience. So he'll like dress up as like different archetypal black church figures um like there's like the first lady and then the the choir members and then the the little kids or like the the band and growing up in the black church it's i really can relate to that and i've seen all of those characters on different occasions and so just seeing him like you know just say the the common phrases and stuff like that it's just it's just hilarious like he'll make and it'll be the subtle things like how people leaving church walk across the street and it's just like so it's so specific but it's so accurate at the same time it's like that's literally how people are after we call it like the church let out basically like after church is done people just hanging out outside and then they're like walking across the street like in the rain and it's just like so accurate because you can't really explain it so he 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 does he does a good job at like hitting those markers that you can't really explain into words but just yeah. seeing it it's like oh okay i know exactly what you're talking about so he's one of my my favorite people he's on instagram right now um i don't think he's done any like stand-up or anything and then probably like stand-up of course you know i love dave Chappelle. i really like marlon wayans because I, I think when people think of like stand-up comics they all always just revert back to like the you know like the older school 90s yeah, yeah. like eddie murphy you know dave Chappelle. All those people, Martin, but Mar, uh, but uh, Marlon Wayans, I think is hilarious because I think his transition from like film into like stand up comedy and just being from the Wayans family, they're just like naturally funny. Like there's comedians who make jokes, but then there's comedians who are just like their whole persona is just a joke. Like it's it's hilarious. So I think he's funny. Yeah, that's that's probably me right now. And he just released a special actually recently. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. Gotta check that out. Yeah, I forgot what streaming service it's on. I gotta go check it out. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Fifi? I think for me, the obvious, like Chappelle, he's been around for so long, covering all the different topics for these many years. He goes and comes back. It's not, now it's not quite like his golden days, of course, because at some point you're just gonna fall off a little bit. Um, just not as sharp. But uh, I really enjoyed a lot of his stuff. And then 
I really enjoyed, I forgot the name of the stand-up on HBO, but from Yvonne Orji from Insecure. Yes, yes, shout out to Yvonne Orji. I really enjoyed hers. It was really relatable. Yes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know I'm African. Yeah. She's, she's Nigerian. I'm from Ghana. Still very similar. So a lot of the jokes about African parents and all those kind of things, the cultures. So that was really fun. <laughs> I really enjoyed her stand-up. So. And then, of course, you just have a lot of the Instagram and TikTok people that we just watch here and there. So, but those are really the two that I really like. Yeah, I'm going to go with the controversial one, Dave Chappelle. <laughs> he is hysterical. Like, I know that people have been, you know, there's that cancel Dave Chappelle bandwagon a lot of people are on right now. I've never been on that bandwagon. I, you know, I, I really respect him as a, as a comedian. I don't think he's a bad person, you know, and... I know that like people like, for example, like Louis C.K., who kind of deserved the backlash he got, right? Because he was being inappropriate. You know, there were sexual harassment allegations against him. There are some jokes Louis C.K. has made also that's been like, I don't know if I would go there. But Dave Chappelle kind has done that too. But I think that like, I feel like when it comes with like tone and delivery, you know, like I always loved it. So Louis C.K. prior, you know, before all that stuff came out. So Louis C.K. actually would have also been another one of my favorite comedians. Um... But yeah, like those those are the two that really stand out to me as much. I don't like find like Amy Schumer funny. Eh, like there's some people I'm like, they're trying, yeah, but they're not there yeah. to me. <laughs> right. That's a specific type of humor. Like you have to like there's comedians who I think are like universally funny. And then there's comedians who are like, that's a specific like Amy Schumer. That's just not my cup yes. of tea. Right. I, I do understand her audience. though. I, I do think there is definitely an audience for Amy Schumer. Like, but it's just not me per se. But yeah. And then that whole situation with Monique and the Netflix thing and all of that. Was like, yeah. Kind of left the bad taste in my mouth. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Monique. Monique's hilarious. Of hilarious. Monique Legend. is another one. I love Monique. I think, yeah. She's absolutely hilarious. hilarious. Alleged. Exactly. I was just watching I was just watching clips of her packing up Charlemagne on Breakfast Club. We way years back. I forget we so many things happen from week to week, months along. We forgot yeah. all of the moments that happened years ago. <laughs> and it was just it was perfect. Yeah. That was that was definitely a moment. I remember that. That was definitely a moment. She gathered yeah, him crazy like, together. No, for real. She did. She did. And I love those moments because it's it's almost like she does it in such a like motherly way. Like mm-hmm. she's not cursing him out. She's not calling him out his name. She's just like, "You're that brother." That was funny. <laughs> she's assaulting you, and it's like you still might give her a hug after. You know, it, it wasn't right. Like, you right. Know, yeah. <laughs> Right. Word, you, give, you still have respect for her. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm also loving? Sorry, this is the last one, yeah, but I love yeah. her so much. Um, Janelle James from Abbott Yo, Elementary. She's, she's great. She's, she's plays so, Ava, the, the yeah. principal. She is. Because she's yeah. funny on the show. I discovered her on the mm-hmm. show, but then I saw her Netflix um, stand-up. She's in a couple of those, like, you know, stand-up comp- compilations where they have, like, multiple people in one. Yeah. And so her segment was hilarious like i think she's so funny because it's kind of it's very like her delivery is very like straightforward and almost a little dry and when she's talking she's saying stuff that like you would probably say in your head but just hearing it out loud and she's not laughing she's not smiling she's just saying it like very straightforward i'm like it's just hilarious and then on abba elementary she's you know she's great 
she's the star. She's definitely a star. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of comedians out there doing their thing right now. And, you know, so, you know, going from comedy, now we're kind of going to go into, like, wokeness. So, you know, when we talk about wokeness, I'll give the definition for those who don't know. Oh, definition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the quality of being alert to and concerned about social injustice and discrimination. Now, as a concept, obviously, that is something that is really profound and definitely a positive thing. and comes from a very good place. You know, there have been examples when wokeness truly was a great thing, like when we talk about blackface, um, which back in the day would be a comedy routine or theatrical performance that degraded and demeaned African-Americans. So we came to a place now where we're like, blackface is never okay. It's not allowed anywhere. You know, it's also positive when we talk about wokeness, you know, when we talk about marginalized communities and making sure that they're okay, they're safe. But I think it gets a little more complicated when there are jokes, you know, black jokes, white jokes just about marginalized communities where the comedian's not necessarily trying to offend that community, but they are laughing. You know, they're making fun of certain aspects of that community. And I think people take it personal, obviously, when it hits close to home. But for the comedian, they're not necessarily trying to offend you. It's just like, hey, like, there's something funny in every community. And I think we should be able to laugh at it. And this brings me to, you know, Dave Chappelle's Netflix specials, which gotten a lot of backlash but, you know, the fact is he's been making fun of everyone, including black people, for years. So I, as fans of comedy, as we all are, you know, where do you guys draw the line? You know what I mean? Like, where, when is it, like, too much for you guys? Because I haven't hit that place yet where it was, like, too much for me yet. So I'm just curious where you guys fall on that with some of your comedians that you love. Well, I think the art of comedy is so nuanced and has such a history behind it and it's you really have you can't really look at it with the same lens as you're looking at like a politician or like a even a musician comedy like that form especially stand-up comedy is at its core meant like you said to make fun of certain situations and to kind of flip uh, reality on its head in that type of way and so I think immediately when people start to criticize comedy, it's like, what lens are we looking at this from? Are we looking at this from, you know, the socio-political climate of the, of the time? Or are we looking at this from a comedy lens? And the fact that, like, already off the bat, we have to change how we're looking at it. And mm -hmm. But I do think that, you know, because the art of comedy is a lot of social commentary and you know commenting on things you have to still go with the times and you you have to kind of be aware and conscious of the climate that you're in and so if yeah. for example you know people are suffering and there's mm -hmm. like you know i don't know like for example like a lot of there've been a lot of like uh transphobic violence and a lot of transphobic um harm and and death and so I think when it when it becomes like a life and death situation and, and people are literally dying, you know, black people for, for years and, and even, you know, as far as like from from slavery and then just police brutality and all of that, you know, people are literally dying. And so you have to really take it. You can't really take it lightly and you have to be conscious of like, how far am I going with this? And, you know, it. It, it can lend itself to being offensive when, I don't know, when, when people are just like, don't really have that safety net to fall back yeah. on. Um, it gets a little, it gets a little dicey. And 
I don't know. For me, I never, I haven't gotten to that point where I'm like, cancel this comedian because of what they said. Cancel them. Because like I said, I'm looking at it from the lens of comedy. You know, they're not causing any physical harm. But I do think when you have a, a mic in a in a tumultuous climate, you do have also a responsibility to, you can you can either be responsible for you know, being a positive addition to the conversation or a negative addition to the conversation. And you have to be accountable for your words and accountable for your actions and accountable for the audience and the people who are following you. Um, that's not to say that you're anyone's parent and that you should, you're telling people what to do, but mm. you do have a certain influence and you have a, you know, a, a certain following, especially someone who, someone like a Dave Chappelle, someone like a, a Chris Rock, who has been doing this for so many years, it's just so many layers involved because you're no longer just in front of a, a an audience. You're in front of an audience, but you're also on people's cell phones. You're also on Twitter. You're also on, you know, even some news broadcasts. So there's a lot of different factors that now come into play. And a lot of people aren't going to be looking at it from the lens of comedy. A lot of people are going to be looking at it from this is just someone who is in the limelight, who is making jokes about, you know, a group of people who are actually suffering. And so what does that look mm -hmm. like from an objective standpoint rather than just a comedic standpoint? So mm -hmm. it's very, mm. it's very, very nuanced. And I think context is very important. And mm. knowing the history of the comedian as well as just the art of comedy and then also the broader like and, and political, you know, social environment that we're in now. It's a lot of things to take into consideration. So I don't know. I don't for me, it's still it's I'm such a contextual person that it's hard for me to just say this is the thing that draws the line because when I'm thinking about that I also have to think of the context behind it like context is is everything for me so yeah because we don't I don't know if I have the answer e either it's like I haven't been yet so offended by a comedian either that oh my god I have to cancel them but I can understand why some people might be like oh my god like you're making fun of someone who just is going through this and that and it's everyone's different you know so it's it's i just am lucky i have not been as offended yet i haven't dave chappelle's been making black jokes fried chicken watermelon jokes they're just offensive quote unquote but fun yeah. like in our community we laugh at that when it's said by a black person mm -hmm. obviously white person saying it's like huh but dave chappelle has been saying that for years and we it's actually made us laugh so that's my appreciation of comedy it makes fun of us but like not right. in a way that like harm i don't know no harm was done to us with that it was like just to bright it brightens us you know it just it's like haha -ha. but yeah so it's it's complicated but fifi what do you what do you think about that yeah the art form has changed from like when our parents and grandparents used to enjoy going to a room and they used to say oh we used to go into a room and just all the jokes will fly and we'll leave and then it'll be like that we didn't mean any harm but i there isn't no one answer I do think yeah. there is a line, though, that you're kind of adjusting to. But yeah. for those that, like, complain, whether it's the entertainer or the consumer, I think if if you have an issue with, I guess, wokeness and cancel culture and comedy, and you have a problem with uh, not being able to say any kind of joke, that it might be an indictment on you. and Because I think the really true good entertainers wouldn't have to worry about towing the line of oh can i speak about this group in this area or can i speak about that because there was there's a clear whether because there isn't a like a clear line that says you can't do this morally you should know that that was wrong 
or mm-hmm. I shouldn't have attacked so-and-so in this situation because mm-hmm. they were going through X, Y, Z, like what Kirk was saying. There's a lot of violence going on in the communities. There are people being marginalized. Mm-hmm. So I think you should, you wouldn't know. Like once the, once you go on your notepad and you write down that joke, I think you kind of understand what kind of reaction you're going to get from it and what it mm-hmm. could possibly do after once that special comes out, once people leave the room when they hear that joke. So there isn't mm-hmm. one answer for it, but I think you should be able to know when the good ones are able to get around it and adapt because they're great that's what great entertainers Mm. do Mm -hmm. ready to become the best version of yourself and live your best life? Are you tired of feeling stuck in your career, relationships, and your day-to-day routine? It all begins with you. In order to give your best, you have to become your best self. Stop living by default and create the life you want. I remember when there was a time where I felt like I had no control over my life. And the best life coach slash relationship coach to help me put my life back together is Odette Godonel. If you are a hardworking, independent, successful woman who lacks energy, focus, and direction, feels overwhelmed, stressed, and anxious, thinks there is never enough time, puts herself at the bottom of your priority list, feels a lack of connection in your marriage or relationship, or feels stuck and afraid of change, Odette can help. You don't have to keep struggling, and you don't have to figure it out alone. Odette has found the tools to learn how to stop living by default and start creating the life and the relationship that she wanted and helped countless clients do the same. With her help, you can learn to reignite the spark within yourself, improve connection, intimacy, and fun in your marriage, have the best relationship possible with your partner, have more harmony, satisfaction, and joy in your relationship, improve communication and conflict resolution, increase your self-confidence, self-love, and self-worth, prioritize what really matters, and set boundaries, and have goals, habits, and actionable steps that lead to results. If you're tired of living your life on the sidelines, visit www.odettecoronel.com. That's www.odettecoronel.com. You'll thank me later. Yeah, I think Fifi brought up a great point because, you know, the intention, the comedian's intention, like, I'm sure they know the type of response they're going to get. Dave Chappelle has been doing this for years. Yep. Like, so he knows, he knows what's at stake. Um, I, I don't know if he might know the fullest extent of the criticism and backlash, but he knows that there's going to be some backlash. And I think a lot of, yeah. like you said, a lot of, you know, well-seasoned comedians know the backlash. And, it's, and now it's like, do they care? Do they care that they're going to be offending people is that does that impede on their success mm. because now like com- comedy is not just it's not just you're going to an audience there's a lot of money involved there's like you know I'm sure Chris Rock and you know Marlon all these people are paid millions of dollars you know and they're now a part of this streaming corporations um you know the success the the eventual success of the of the streaming service and all of these things and all these platforms that they're on so now it's like have they considered 
everything that's at stake, not just their reputation. And so when money gets involved, of course, things change, conversations change, and a lot more limitations are involved. So I think they really, I think there's a lot of preliminary, there's a lot of, uh, there's a long thought, preliminary thought process that happens um, before they actually take the stage and take the mic and do this joke. It's not, they didn't just come up there and, and are freestyling. Like you said, there's a lot of thought that goes into like, what does this really mean? What are the implications of all this? What is going to be the result of these jokes that I'm about to tell? Yeah. Yeah. And one person who don't give a fuck about the backlash is Chris Rock. <laughs> Let me tell you, because his Netflix special, Selective Outrage, which I'm excited to watch, he, I gotta give you one thing, he did keep Will's wife out of his motherfucking mouth. He did do that. He did not say, he did not say that woman's name once, but... He referenced, they're kind of a little bit. But he referenced, yes, of course, but he didn't actually say that, because I remember he's like, keep my wife's name out of your motherfucking mouth, and slapped him in the face. And, you know, rumors are out there that Will is not too happy with the special, that he's hurt and embarrassed. And I'm like, well, how do you think Chris Rock felt getting slapped in front of millions of people? Hurt and embarrassed. And so he waited a year to do to say anything. And he took the time to really, like, go in in this, I think it's $40 $40 million deal, Netflix deal, whatever. And he, Chris, man, he went there. He went there. Have y'all watched it? Have (laughs) y'all taken a look at it? Yeah, I watched it. I, I did. I watched it because before I comment on something, I want to make sure I, I see it in its entirety, not just the snippets on Twitter, because Twitter has its own agenda. Yes. Woke Twitter has its own agenda, you know, social media. So I want to make sure mm-hmm. that I watch everything in its full context. And the Will Smith segment was literally the last thing of the entire special. Um, he had a, an hour-long set, and he didn't address the Will Smith situation until the end, which I thought was very, you know, interesting. You could say that he did it because that was supposed to be his big finish. Of course, Chris Rock has been out of the limelight for... Or, well, not out of the limelight, but he hasn't really made any, like, blockbuster movies or his name hasn't... His, the headlines for Chris Rock literally have been tied to this Oscar slap. So, of course, that's going to have to be the most um, grabby thing of his special. And so um, I thought it was interesting, the approach. I don't know if what I expected... I don't know if I expected him to be remorseful or to have any or to approach it from like a humble standpoint but I think given Will Smith's like apology tour and you know every interview he's apologized and I I, I genuinely I've looked at this in so many different ways because there's so many implications about the specific event and about the backlash and all that so I've looked at how Will Smith has responded and and, and me Going back to the slap itself, I think there was a lot of um, there was a lot of conversation. Of course, at face value, you could say, "Why is he hitting another person on national TV? Another why is a black man hitting another black man on national TV?" But then you have to think about like everything. Like you think about the joke. Why? What was the reason for Will Smith doing it? You know, what were the implications of Chris Rock's joke? The broader implications, especially someone who has done a documentary about black women's hair. And this is not just a black woman who just decided to chop off her hair. She, you know, is dealing with alopecia. And so mm-hmm. now you, you know, on a on a huge stage like the Oscars are making a spectacle of a black woman's hair. 
and 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 then Will Smith, of course, took it upon himself to take matters into his own hands. So there's a lot of there's a lot of I went back and forth like who was right, who was wrong. I think they were both wrong. And so now Will Smith, you know, his response was very apologetic. I think every interview that he's done since then, I feel like it wasn't enough for Chris Rock, given the way he approached it on his special. And I do think that, of course, the first thing I thought of when I saw it, I was like, okay, Chris. Chris Rock, all right, it's a year later. Like, we've all spoken about it. It's been at the pinnacle of the news cycle, and it's also reached the depths of the news cycle. And, you know, it's been spoken about on so many different ways, so many different angles. And so now here you are a year later, still for him to not address the broader conversation was just a missed opportunity, in my opinion. I I, I just want to say, I think the reason why he didn't go there is because, to be honest, I really think that, you know, this man was embarrassed, getting smacked in the face. I personally think the goal was to just go at them. Like, you know what? You want to smack me? You know what? And you and I'm going to not talk for a year, so you won't even know I'm coming. And then w- went in on them. I think that that was definitely deliberate. What you're saying definitely makes sense, but I think deliberately he was like, fuck that. I'm going to go hard. He went extra hard with the fact that the 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 worst way, right, that, that a man could really hurt is looking face to face with the woman who cheated on him or she really she didn't cheat on him he really they had um they it's but still it was embarrassing because they had parted ways no one knew she had sex with her son's friend all of that and she did it on red table talk in public they both made that decision to do that publicly so chris was like you know what i'm gonna hit you with hurts and he knows that everybody was calling will a bitch for that which is you know I, I don't I didn't call him a bitch particularly. I just think that he should have not sat through that. But I did think it was weird for him to sit through that. I would have been like, ma'am, we gonna talk about this in a bedroom. Bedroom stuff is for the bedroom, not yeah. for the not for the public. Yeah. And that's the thing. I feel like the Smiths have made a lot of questionable decisions and Yes. <laughs> and they're definitely not my like model black couple (laughs) no so um so of course you know that's also why i haven't gone on like a rampage like defending will or defending jada because you know at the Mm -hmm. end of the day all what is it all skin folk ain't kin folk or all kin folk ain't skin folk whatever that basically all black people aren't you know i'm not just gonna blindly defend all black people but i do think that again looking at everything in its context there has to be some type of room for the the broader conversation and and for at least at least kind of addressing it but i do hear what you're saying like i i do f- hear that like now this is chris rock's first time with the mic first time addressing the issue like he's going to have to go hard even from like a financial from like a a logistical like f- executive standpoint from Netflix. I'm not an executive, so I don't know what their conversations were like, but I'm sure in that meeting, the Netflix executives were like, you have to talk about this issue. And the way you talk about it has to be, has to be a trending topic on Twitter because we're giving you millions of dollars. So, and this is unfortunately what the people want to hear. This is, this is what the people want to talk about. So I'm not necessarily like defending Will's actions. I just feel like it's such a it's such a nuanced conversation that to not talk about it with all of the nuanced implications and from a broader 
context is doing a disservice to the negative people that it affects, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's, it's, I give us too much credit, you know, just as society and as consumers to just take this thing at face value. Cause I think it's so much bigger than, so much bigger than that. And, and these two, these two figures have been in the game for years. Like they're not brand new. They're not like figuring this thing out. They've been in this thing for a long time, since the nineties, um, almost more than 30 years in the in the game. You know, I'm not going to say who was right, who was wrong, because I definitely feel like, you know, you're not about to put your hands on me. Like, regardless of what I say, you're not about to you're not about to put your hands on me, you know. Um, but then. Right. So then I don't know how I would have reacted in that situation. So that's that's another thing. It's it's a lot. It's a lot to think about. Yeah. Yeah, so Fifi, what were your what were your thoughts I from what you've seen of it or heard of it if you haven't watched the whole thing? Like because you know, Chris Rock waited a whole year. He was like, "Nah, I got y'all. I got y'all." You know, what what were some of your thoughts and who's if you're on a side, whose side would you be on? I don't, I'm personally I, I know wrong is wrong when you hit somebody. Like, I don't care what you say to me or what I say to you. Do not hit me. Like, that's my um, thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch the whole thing. It was like Kirk said, the uh, Will Smith part was at the end. I really wasn't looking forward to the special at all because it was so drawn out from over the year. I forgot about him that people kept talking yeah. about it. And then after the slap happened, people made it seem like, it was the worst thing in the world when there are people in that same exact room have probably committed crimes that shouldn't be allowed to work in that industry anymore. Like it was so bad. And there, and everybody was like, Oh my God, how, so now we're just slapping people. The slap, you shouldn't put your hand on somebody else. I understand. Um, obviously a different kind of anger motion comes out when you talk about your partner. Um, that's just a type of, that's just a different type of anger that most people really don't want to experience. So I do understand that. You should, probably shouldn't have hit him. Um, but it, it just wasn't... I did, it was just so drawn out. It's it's so odd that I agreed with Lakeith Stanford. He was like, people get slapped every day. This just this just <laughs> happened. It, it, like, you shouldn't be agreeing with Lakeith, <laughs> probably. But it's like, it's so true. It's just that it happened on the Oscar stage. Everybody had their TV on. And watching the awards, but um, I didn't think Chris's jokes were that funny. I don't know if it's because I was just tired of the whole situation, but I wasn't looking forward to it. I didn't think it was spectacular, the Chris performance. I just, I just I'm hoping that this is the end. Like, yeah, I'm still trying to You're get tired o- of the slap. You're I'm, tired. Yeah, I'm still trying to get it. I'm still trying to get over the fact that he's banned for that long. Like, it's crazy. It's, it's too much. I made a joke when I talk. I spoke about this with uh, Shanika Sharp. Shout out to Shanika, who's been on this podcast more than anybody ever. I said to her something around the lines of like, by the time he gets to go back to the Oscars, I'm going to be old enough to have kids, a dog, a condo, grandkids, like great grandkids. Like by the time, like. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they did that purposely because I feel like they know that He's won the Oscar, yeah. so, you know, not inviting him for, like, a year, that's not really going to do much, you know. Not, how can how can we respond and retaliate that match? Like, how can we retaliate to this that's re- that, that he's really going to feel it? 
how is he really going to feel it? Because I, I genuinely believe they know that there's not much left that Will Smith has to accomplish as an actor, you know? So the worst we could do is, you know, ban him for, for 10 years. But look, he's still making uh, blockbuster hits like like Emancipation. I still haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I don't know if I'm ready yet. I don't know if I'm prepared. Right, right, right. That's 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 a lot, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, he's still yeah. doing his thing and he's still out here. He hasn't let that stop him. So I think the whole 10-year ban thing is just, it's just, you know... Not, not. It's not that deep anymore. But well, to Will Smith, I feel he can he can be just fine without going to the Oscars for ten years. <laughs> yeah, and the iron the irony of it all when you look back to last year, the big talk was banning Kanye from the Grammys because you didn't want him to do anything wrong at that stage for award season, and then the Grammys were fine, and then the big mess was in the Oscars. The iron like it's just crazy. It was what a time. What a time. Yeah, the main the main people we were talking about last year, Kanye West and Will Smith. But Will Smith, I mean, the smack was bad, but I don't think it was as bad as Kanye West's fall from grace. Like, literally, like, just, he's done. Like, I, I do a whole podcast on yeah. that. Oh. <laughs> right, right. That's his old separate, oh, that's his Lord. old podcast. And Kanye has had, like, multiple falls <laughs> from grace, which I don't understand, like, how there's anything left for him to fall from. Like, he's got a lot of chances, He's done. Bro. He's done. Right. Right. In my yeah, eyes, he's so done. That's he's his he's his own Yeah. But there's people out there who, who still love him, still bump his music, still yeah. buying his <laughs> so, and, That's true. Know. Sean, let me tell you, there are people who still bump with there are people that still ride with R. Kelly, okay? Like the people right, have no listen. standards. No standards. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because that that was a big part of, of Chris Rock's special was the idea of, of selective outrage, of course, because he was saying that people, I mean, well, this was kind of against R. Kelly, but he was saying that people will support Michael Jackson and listen to Michael Jackson's music, but become activists when it comes to R. Kelly. And literally they've done, he says they've done, they've done the same thing, which I obviously was not the same thing because Michael Jackson has not been convicted of rape and all of these things. So He did not right. do it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. We need to stop. Yeah. Don't compare R. Kelly to Michael right. Jackson. You know what I mean? And with something that Michael Jackson was not convicted yeah, of. That was my first thought. We saw R. Kelly pee right. on a girl. Yeah, we saw there's, there, there's two different things. But I, I think he was just saying that, you know, people definitely, they're going to make excuses for people who they like at the end of the day. If you, um, and I think the mark of a true objective, you know, um, just a, a person who looks at things from an objective standpoint you have to be able to put aside your own, you know, like for the person or your own, you know, how, however you feel your relationship to the, to the person to really look at what this means. And that, that's honestly how I felt about the situation because, and that's why my opinion changed because when I, I argued with my, literally in my house, I was arguing with my sister and she was like, because I, I was like, why? He still has no right to put his hands on on Will, like, I mean, on Chris. Like, Will has no right to just slap somebody, like, and then to just walk away. Like, if he's just this, like, you know, he didn't, he knew that Chris wasn't going to, you know, respond or try to hit him back. And she was really arguing, arguing with me back. And she's like, what was really worse, though? Was the slap worse or was the jokes about a black woman's hair on a national stage? Was that worse? You know, like, you could say, yeah. She was basically saying, like, if more black men slapped 
people who came mm. against black women the world from yeah. better, you know fits yeah. you know literally and figuratively slapped people who who offended black women then we wouldn't even be having this conversation and so i think that was a very interesting point because it, it brought up the idea of what does this mean to protect black women like does it does it mean to just because chris rock is black does that mean now that you shouldn't because i i think if 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 the person who made the joke was a white person i think there would be still anger, but I think the conversation would be a little different. Mm. It would be a little less like. But can we defend black women without hitting somebody? You know what I mean? Like he sure. could have really, he could have actually gone on stage and taken the mic mm. from. Right. Remember what Kanye did to Taylor when he took the mic from Taylor Swift at the MTV um, award? He could have like done that and not smacked him, and that would have been a different conversation. So yeah. Yeah, he could have when he accepted this when he accepted the Oscar. He could have like changed his whole speech and just went in on Chris Rock and really, you know, just massacred him right there. The humor, though, too, that Chris Rock had. Like, I know he went all, he went crazy on them, like, on the end of the special and everything. But I like the the joke of, like, you know, people ask me, how did it feel to get hit by Will Smith? And he like, that shit still hurt. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the fact that he could at least laugh at himself kind of, too, instead of being like, yeah, I should have hit him back. Nah, he's like, nah, I took it. But it hurt. And it still hurts. Like, you know, that it also just kind of shows you the kind of person Chris Rock is. He's not the type to just be like, let me brawl, let me do... You know, like... So I, I really respect, to the way he came at it as well with with that place. And um, it, it's obvious he and Will are not at a place where they're talking. They're not... Obviously, Chris is not at a place where he wants to hear Will's apology, which is okay. You know? There is something called... I learned on Red Table Talk, actually, speaking of Jada called like toxic forgiveness you know like you don't have you forgive when you're ready so if chris rock if this is his way to get through that process he should do it you know as long as he's not harming anybody and hitting nobody but um you know so i'm at first i was like damn he don't forgive him yet and it's like you don't have to ever forgive him that's the thing we don't even have to forgive him you know what i mean will has to learn to forgive himself hopefully he has at some point because i know it's not a good thing to be known as someone who just smacks someone across the face, you know? Um, his reputation is was bad. Like, his, I mean, Will is still Will, but I think his reputation definitely took a hit. But that's the thing. Like, we could all walk away from this never forgiving him again. You know what I mean? Like, it's up to us. But, um, yeah, I gotta watch this special. The way you're talking about it, I'm like, I gotta watch this special. <laughs> If this is his way of getting through it, and if this is his way of responding to it, then we have to not judge that and let him, you know, because again, we don't know what we would have done in that situation. We can all speculate. I know what I would have done. I would have ended up in prison behind bars. Yeah. Ali said, y'all don't know what y'all would have done. I know what I would have done. I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to do me. Right. Well, exactly. And that's the thing. So it's like. You know, we, when it comes to physical violence, there's like, or physical harm in any type of way. It, it's hard to really judge anyone's response or anyone's level of forgiveness or the way they choose to reconcile the situation. So it's, it, I, I just hope that, you know, because both of them are beloved in their own right and have had a relationship in the past and, you know, or at least have been cool. I saw pictures of Chris Rock when he was on um, Fresh Prince back in the day. Aww. I, I, you know, like, I just hope that, like, they're able to come to some common ground because I don't think 
you know, Will has taken accountability and has said that he is wrong. He has not excused his actions, even though other people have for him, even though other people said, you know, you don't have to apologize. You're defending your wife or you're defending black women. As you know, as Who far are as these people pe- saying, that? <laughs> who are these people? <laughs> you sound like um, um, Tommy Davidson. Who are yeah, these people? For real. Who are these you don't have to apologize for smacking them in the face. Like, yeah, you do. Like, bro. Well, yeah. well, right. I mean, there's people who 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 would take it so extreme yeah. and say that his joke was worth the slap. Um, so, I, you know, he's apologized, and and I hope that at some point Chris Rock can, if not accept it, you know, at least just move on. At least just like, I, ideally, I want them to reconcile and to you know. Come, I'm, I'm like that. I'm like, you know. Can we all just get along? All I, know. Get along? I know. I know. We all, you know, well, we all can't, we all can't just get along. And and sometimes people are deserving of the consequences for their actions. But it, it this just sucks. It just sucks that it has to be between two black people who, I guess one thing if this was like a slap against like Herschel Walker, someone oh, who is yeah. like, you know, anti-black and like the antithesis <laughs> of like a black person. <laughs> But this is someone who, you know, has said controversial things. But at the end of the day, we, we love Chris Rock. Yeah, you he's know, beloved. We, we love Will Smith. He, yeah. So it just sucks that this is the the reality of the situation. And I don't think people, I don't think Chris Rock is deserving of, you know, all of the backlash that he's getting. People saying that he's anti-black. And, oh, you know, people brought up the idea that he, his joke about, you know, letting his white friends say the N-word and and they're saying that, is that any better than the slap? You know, this is someone who... And I do think that he Chris Rock sh- ha- should be accountable for the harmful things and that he said against the Black community. Um, but at the same time, he's not... I, I'm not like... He's not like someone who I think is anti-Black or is like a Kanye who is, you know, being intentionally detrimental to the Black community. So... I don't know. It's a it's a lot. Comedians will be fine. The consumers will be fine, because we're still we still have a bunch of people that are very talented. They know how to go with the times and how to adjust to certain things. And we also have a lot of people that probably haven't said any uh, problematic things during their time on stage. So I think like we'll be just fine. I don't think it's we're in a point where. I guess for the people that subscribe to the kind of content that is destructive, not like us, but people that do like that kind of stuff, I think they're the ones that more so are complaining. I remember, I forget this comedian's name, a white comedian, he had a beard. But his whole thing is, he isn't, he will never touch mainstream. I think that's what he wants to do. Like, he tells jokes to a certain pocket of people. And I remember he just had this joke right around the time Kobe passed, something about an all-star game at Kobe. It was... Something completely out of taste. Kobe had passed and he referenced him in the game. And then he had this little smirk. Because like like I said before, people know the reactions they're trying to go for. So it's those kind of people that I feel like people that subscribe to that kind of content, they're complaining more and they feel sad that we have these kind of imaginary line that you don't want to cross. But for the most part, I do think that comedy will be fine. I feel like the comedy that's always been funny to me has not always been the comedy that is just directly targeting people or, you know, just insulting or disrespecting people. It's always, for me, comedy is just 
the things that are, are funny to me are, are jokes that we just can all relate to. Things that that I can apply to my own life. Like if I can't, I, if I can't apply me being harmful to a group of people to my life, then I'm not going to think it, it's funny. You know, I'm going to think what's funny is just, you know, the, the little things that I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I did that before, or I've experienced that in the past. And so I do think there is a space in comedy and in stand-up comedy for those types of jokes. And hopefully because of, you know, the, the backlash and kind of what the ways in which society can, can take this and, and make it, something that it's not hopefully because of all of that comedians will be able to find the common ground that they'll be able to still be funny but also not offend um people because you because also like we i could sit here and say i love dave Chappelle, but if i as a consumer as a viewer am offended by a joke that chris rock says because it offends people like me or 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 you know people who i'm cool with then i also have to take into consideration the jokes the people that dave Chappelle's jokes offend you know what i mean yeah i mean it's a slippery slope it's there's no we could talk about this all day there's no right or wrong answer right because who's to say what you shouldn't be offended by you know what i mean and um you know, shout out also to the Chappelle show. That shit is dated right now. If you watch that right now, you're going to be laughing, but you're also going to be like, damn, should I be laughing at this? Because it's so dated, but it's so... Guys, Chappelle show, I'll be watching the um, reruns. It's a different time back then, man. It was so different. This has been such an amazing conversation. Thank you guys so much. I got to have y'all both on again. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having Ali. I just want to say I'm very proud of you. Um, you're doing your thing. You The first episode was 2019. Was that 2019? 2020. 2020. So three years Early ago. 2020. Early three years 2020. Ago, we still going. We were still, right. We were still in grad school. Like, And you're still going. And woo, podcasts woo. are not easy to keep up for many years because... I already know audio journalism in general is just a very hard thing to be consistent with. So, But you've kept it going, kept it going strong. So kudos to you. Kudos you deserve your flowers. You. Came a long way, especially yes, from yes, what yes. we were going through back then to keep this alive and going consistently. It's a really good job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and that's all for this week. Thank you for listening to Saucy But Sweet with Allie McPherson. 